Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co, and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family just by being here with me listening to this podcast you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true let's do this together Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. We have Stephanie on from The Learning Project. I'm super excited. Stephanie reached out to me to be on her podcast, and we just had an awesome time together. Like, we're friends now. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to bring her on to my podcast because I think she has an amazing story and a lot of wisdom and guidance to give other women in their journey because you're not a fertility coach you know you have your own different path but you are now really passionate about sharing your story and helping other women absolutely welcome thank you so much for having me I'm so honored and so excited so tell us a little bit about the start of your journey what was it like? Okay, so um, again, my name is Stephanie Courtney, and I have a training business called The Learning Project, and um, I focus on early childhood education, and I also focus on um, hearing people's personal stories. I really think it all is interconnected, and it really helps us to understand people on a deeper level and understand their, their life and their stories and helps us to partner together and make the world a better place. And so um, I really have been going through infertility issues from the time I have been in high school. Um, I actually realized, well, back up, I was having not regular periods and I would have sometimes periods for one or two months and then I wouldn't have it. I had really painful cramps. I had a lot of migraines. And then sometimes I just wouldn't have it for a long period of time during like my track season because I was an athlete. And so my mom was like, you know, that's normal. You know, all the things you're going through are normal. Um, I felt they were not normal. And so (laughs) I was like, is it normal for people not to be able to get out of bed for two days? And she was like, you know, it just happens. And so, you know, I went through this process in high school thinking that this was normal. Um, diet was really bad. Of course, in high school, you know, you're drinking sodas, eating pizza, doing whatever. And um, as I got older, moved into college, my period just kind of like stopped. And so I just was like, heck yeah, I'm so happy because now I have to deal with this and I'm busy and I don't have time to be doing this and doing that. And going here and going there. And so I kind of was celebrating me not having a cycle. And then I met my husband my freshman year of college and we were just friends for a year. Fast forward, um, five years later, we get married. 
And, you know, one of the things that I was literally talking about on one of my podcasts was like, you know, you try so hard to make sure you're not a statistic. You know, you don't want to get pregnant in high school. You don't want to get pregnant in college. And now you're married and you're like, you know what? I'm going to try for a baby maybe in the next couple of years. So after we get established and we buy the car and the house and we get the job and the career. And so, you know, my goal really was to build a place where my child could come in and not live in poverty you know, be able to offer things to them. Both of my, uh, my mom and my husband's mom, both were single parents. And so we are just like determined to make sure that we could change our journey, our life story for our child. And so I, I get married, I'm on, on birth control for one year. And I started having like these weird pains and like headaches and just weird, crazy stuff. And my sister was like, Hey, you know, I got blood clots when I was on birth control. So I was like, I'm getting off this because I do not want to be in a situation where I end up getting sick or something happening to me. And my husband was like, we're married. You know, if if we get pregnant, no big deal. So, you know, I go into the doctor, tell them I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be on birth control. And they're like, okay, you know, we're going to get you off, you know, know that you can get pregnant and it's going to be pretty easy for you because you're in your twenties. And I was like, okay, well, if it happens, no worries. So a year passes and my niece gets pregnant and my niece was a teen parent at the time or teen pregnant mom. And I was like, should it be that easy to get pregnant? Right. <laughs> um, right. I'm missing something. It's been like almost three years and now I'm too pregnant after one time. So I had to, that made me like think right away, like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. So I go to my OB And, um, you know, for those that are going through this or in the beginning stages, one of the things I would really encourage is to have somebody in your corner that you can talk to and guide you and lead you. Because so many times we think we know about our body and we really don't. And I really didn't know very much about my body. And so I go into my OB's office and this OB that I was going to at the time, we just did not have a connection. And she kind of like treated me kind of badly. And so I told her, I said, hey, I'm worried about this um, infertility issue because I I don't know if I have one. I haven't been able to get pregnant. I mean, we're not doing anything to stop it. It's been years. And she says, well, you know, maybe you should just look right into adoption or maybe you should actually look into an egg donor. And I was like, what? And for somebody... So for me, I'm sitting in the office, I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? You know, I'm freaking out because I don't know why she's saying this. And so I learned later on that a lot of people, when you get to a certain age, they do encourage you to look into other options if you're having trouble getting pregnant. And then she hit me with, the thing is, because the area we live in, a lot of Black women do not give eggs. So you're probably going to have to go somewhere else to actually get an egg donor. This is something I just learned. Um, I've been doing a podcast series on infertility and a lot of women of color, they don't have the option to get an egg donor because there's not a lot of egg donors of of color out there, which I was blown away. I didn't know that. Um, And so I'm sitting in this office with this doctor, mouth open. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she says, why don't you just go to this for, um, fertility clinic or it's a yeah, fertility clinic. And so I'm in shock. I'm crying. I'm upset. I'm like, I'm thinking she's going to give me like a pill, tell me to go, let's go run some blood tests. And she's just moved to adoption. 
And so I am freaking out because she's not seeing anything wrong with me. And so I go home and I tell my husband about what's going on. And he was just like, you know what, let's just go to the fertility clinic. It's not a big deal, Stephanie. You know, maybe you didn't hear her right or something. Maybe you were just freaking out. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I didn't hear her right. You know, we get to the fertility clinic and they start the testing process on me. Um, and that was something I wasn't prepared for, um, especially with me being in my career that I was in, I was a director. And so I worked with children and so very busy, busy, busy schedule and having to take time out to go get the test, go get the blood test. Um, it was a lot, like it was overwhelming for me. And, um, I just wanted the answer. I just wanted the doctor to look at me and be like, yes, you can have children. You know, I just wanted that simple answer. And it wasn't that simple. And so I went through this process of, you know, getting blood tests. I did the HGC test. For those that don't know what it is, it's a test that the dye goes through your fallopian tubes to see if there's any blockage. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely painful for me. And that was probably the first time that I actually thought, do I really want to be a parent? because I was so scared and it was super painful and it was super embarrassing because I the lady was like, oh, it's not going to hurt at all. I go in there and it is the most painful thing ever. And I'm like literally screaming. And my mom is in the, the office, little office waiting for me. And she gets up and she looks at the secretary. And she's like, if, if you don't go back there, I'm going back there. I can hear her screaming. And so, you know, the lady, after I'm done, she's like, I'm so sorry, Stephanie. She was like, you know, I didn't know you were going to react like that. I was like, I didn't know I was going to react like that either. I was like, I'm thinking this is like a pap smear. And you just, this is not a pap smear. <laughs> so that point for me did something to me. It made me afraid of the fertility process. It made me think about how much pain am I willing to go through to have a child. It brought a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety when I started going to the doctor to do these tests, but I was determined to find out what was going on. So the next week I went back to the doctor and she diagnosed me with unexplained infertility. And she was like, you have like 10% chance conceiving on your own. It's just not going to work. And I was like, well, is there anything else I can do? And she was like, you have choices between IVF or IUI. Those are your only choices. And I come from a family that's like really, everybody is in some type of natural path of something. And you know, everybody's (laughs) super, super like, oh, you should eat this because it's going to do this or do this, do that, you know, really into the body, really making sure you're healthy, things like that. And so my sister said to me, she said, Stephanie, you need to look and see if there's other ways that you can get your body in tune with your fertility. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I actually had that conversation with anybody because honestly, I, any, anybody in my family, I didn't know anybody that dealt with infertility. So I was feeling alone. I've just been traumatized going through this procedure Um, I'm looking at the doctor, like, this is all that you're going to offer us. And I was just lost. Like, I didn't even know where to start with my body. And I didn't even know where to begin with the the mental part, because then I started thinking, oh my goodness, my husband stuck with me now and I can't have a baby. And I had to literally sit down with him and be like, Hey, you know, I want you to know, I love you so much, but if you don't want to be with me because I can't have a baby, I understand. And he just looked at me and he was like, I will never leave you. I would never 
ever leave you. He was like, there's other ways we can have a family. And if that's our journey, awesome. And if not, it's okay. Like, you know, that was a really hard place for me to be because I just felt like I trapped him. Like you're stuck with me now. And now that now you've got someone that can't have a child or it's going to take lots, lots, and lots of money to do that. And so that was a, that was like kind of the beginning part of my journey and feeling like stuck and feeling depressed, feeling ashamed of myself, disappointed in myself, how to like, I'm definitely like a perfectionist kind of person. And I feel like I've improved a lot better, but right at that point, it was just over the top and it was too excessive. And I just expected so much of myself. And now I couldn't, like my body couldn't do what I thought it could do. It's just, there's so many things that go through your mind when you're going through that process and you're trying to break out of that mindset of just being negative and being in a really dark place. Yeah, I think you just highlighted really how our society lets down women in so many different ways. And that's going to when we first get our periods. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's like sex, money, religion, do not talk about them and politics. (laughs) But it's a huge disservice to us women because we are told it's normal. We're excited not to get our periods and we don't actually realize that our periods are like our soul, right? Like they regulate us and we don't realize how important those signs when things aren't right are when we're younger. And when we move into having ready to have a baby, we're like, Oh, well, I didn't know there was an issue, but yet your body was actually screaming at you. Like, wake up, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, The second point is, which I think probably a lot of people listening to this podcast and myself is like, when you go and reach out for help to the experts and they say shit like that to you, you feel so lost and alone and it's just so soul crushing. And I was the same way. Like when we, we were unexplained and my husband was fine and it was like my fault. Yeah. You know, and you put that blame on yourself and then your type A personality kicks in and it's like, all right, what can I do? I'm yep. willing to go through every test. I'll take every multivitamin. I'll do this. I'll do this. And then we don't have the right information. If we just stop, yeah, breathe, listen to our bodies, find the right diet, figure yes. out all of our other things that are not functioning correctly in our body that are affecting our fertility. You know, if you don't have ovaries, if you don't have fallopian tubes, if you don't have a womb, and if your husband ain't putting those things out, those are the only four reasons to look at the lady bits, the sexual being, right? Mm -hmm, The sexual mm -hmm. parts that make a baby. Yeah. And question, you know, okay, what can we do? Because you don't have those things. We need a medical assistance. Yeah. Um, or we need adoption or we need egg donor. We need IVF. We need IUI. Those things we're so grateful for the medical system to provide us. If you have all those bits and things aren't working right, it's highly likely that there's something else going on in your body. Absolutely. When your sister gave you this amazing advice, t- give your sister a kiss for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was the first kind of things that you started looking into? So the first thing that I looked into was acupuncture and I literally dove right into it. So I went to one acupuncture 
and she only had appointments during the weekday. So I would have to leave work and I would have to drive like 30 minutes to her. And then, because I wanted to go to her because she was the best. She had like all these published journals and, you know, just so sure about everybody getting pregnant through her acupuncture. And then she also worked with a lot of fertility clinics. So I went to her and she was so sweet and very nice, very kind. But every single time I would go there, I would be flipping out because I would have to lay on the table and wait. <laughs> for all these little pins to do their thing. And I was just like, I have 50 million things to do at work right now. And I cannot be here. I need the, I need this to hurry up. And so I began to like rush this process and I just, I wasn't relaxed because I'd be like, okay, hurry up. Like take these out and I'm getting in my car, driving off fast, like, you know, going crazy. And I went to her for about three weeks and then I was just like, I cannot do this. I literally remember crying on the way to acupuncture because I knew that I was going to have to lay there for about 40 minutes. And then I'm like, I just lost all that time at work. And so I just happened to Google acupuncturist on the weekend and this company came up, uh, the wellness tree. And so I go in there and I make an appointment for a Saturday and the acupuncturist comes out, her name is Lauren, and she's just like this free hippie spirited person. And I'm like, she's awesome. <laughs> I just love her vibe. I love her vibe right now. And she was like, Stephanie, she was like, let me check your tongue. Let me check your pulse. And she did a bunch of little tests. She was like, I can't get you pregnant. You are way to stress. <laughs> yeah. like, your stress level is insane. You're not even, you know, we had done some tests by this time we we're having this conversation. She was like, you're not even ovulating properly. You, I'm pretty sure your progesterone is super low. Like from these tests, like you're like post-menopause, babe. Like we need to get this under control. You are going to die from stress if you don't deal with this. That was the first time that someone had said to me, you are stressed out and you can, your body can't do this. And it's so funny because like, I think about my personal life and I look at all the women in my life and I always say like all the women in my family are like super women and you know, the women around them, they're super women. And, you know, I never seen them cry about certain things. I never seen them do, um, you know, be overstressed and like, you know, go crazy or any of that stuff. I always seen them just they were just together you know they would deal with all this stress and they were perfectly fine and they knew how to be a wife they knew how to um you know run their their job they knew how to run their side businesses they'd go out and save the world my family's very social services so you know they're like the people that like to go out under the bridges and feed the homeless and come up with programs and run these things and I just saw so much of that and it made me realize that I don't understand work-life balance and I had no idea that I had really taken this over to my, my adult life. And now I'm dealing with something that I don't even know where to start. And so, um, you know, she was like, I don't want us to talk about fertility anymore. What we are going to focus on is getting you de-stressed and we need to focus on your nutrition. We need to focus on the food part. And the funny thing is, remember I was telling you, I was like, oh, all my family's very into nutrition and all this stuff, but I wasn't eating correctly. And that's the weird thing is that you could be so much, you can know so much about a nutrition and like how it works. 
but you're not actually doing it. And mm -hmm. so um, there was a huge disconnect for me. And so I started to realize that I needed to make some drastic changes in my life. And it was very hard, but I was just like, I have to do this because I literally feel like I'm, not, I'm having a heart attack at night, I'm having panic attacks. I'm like losing all this weight because I'm so stressed out at work. And people are like, why are you staying there? But I was like, I was so committed to those kids and those families because mm -hmm. I wanted to see the environment change and really them for them to have a great educational environment, which did happen. But I mean, it was just a lot in the beginning. And so I dealt with the stress. And then I decided to move on and go back to the reproductive center. And it was just something that I had talked about because it's, it had been a, over a year at this point and I still hadn't held a pregnancy. So I had got pregnant one time during this time, but it was a chemical miscarriage and I just had to, you know, I just said to myself, I'm going to go to this reproductive center now that this has happened and I'm just going to let them help me now that I'm not stressed. I'm not as stressed as I used to be. And I got talked into doing IUI and I was just like super excited. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm so excited. And it didn't work. And so I was really depressed about it, but I was like, don't worry about it. Be optimistic, stay positive. I did it again. Didn't work. And then I did it again and it didn't work. And they were like, you know, you only have like a 10 to 15% chance of IUI actually working. And I just kind of, at that point, I was just like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm just going to try to travel and do something else and, you know, continue to do my acupuncture because I need to do my de-stressing. I need to do all this stuff. And it was around July and I got a positive pregnancy test. And I didn't even know I was pregnant. I was just like, I was so off. My mood was crazy. I was tired. I didn't even think like, oh, you might be pregnant. And then I had another chemical miscarriage. And so, you know, I had, that was probably the one miscarriage that really hit me hard because I had six pregnancy tests. I had went to the store. I mean, Monica, I was grabbing every single pregnancy test, came home, peed on all of them. I put them <laughs> in my little chart, checked right. my, my temperature check. So I have all these crazy charts. I'm using Ava band. If anybody knows what that is, you wear that yeah. night. And then I was using Obusense, which is like a little spermy thing that you insert in yourself. And it tells you exactly when you ovulate. It has like a 90 something percent accuracy rate or whatever. And so I'm using all this stuff, everything is lined up and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I was like, I'm just going to wait. Like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm just going to wait. And I'm showing everybody my pregnancy test. I'm taking pregnancy tests every day and I wake up and I feel normal. And I ne I'll never forget that I woke up and I didn't even take my temperature. I just ran to the bathroom. And I just looked at that pregnancy test and I, it just said negative. And at that point, it made me feel like one, I couldn't trust my body. My body lied to me again. I felt betrayal for myself. I'm like, did I see that? Did I, did that mm -hmm. happen? Mm -hmm. yep. Then I'm starting to think I made this up. Then I start getting really upset because I'm like, there's something you didn't do. You should have eaten this and not eating that. You should have not stressed about this. 
and, you know, stressed about that. You know, I'm like going through the whole catalog of what yeah. you did wrong and why you should have done something different. And it was just rough at this point. At this point, I was right back where I left off and I had to get up and go to work and act like nothing happened. Nothing happened. What was your time? What was your time frame? So you had four RUIs and another chemical pregnancy. What was the time frame of that? So I, it it was about a, this is all under like a five-year span. So I kind of gave you guys like the speed yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like IUI, get your period, IUI, get your period, IUI. You took some time. You were taking took some time. time. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, when I was going through the IUI process, like it's about a, it's about a thousand dollars each time you do your IUI, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would spend this money on IUI. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to not do it. I would talk myself out of it. And honestly, I started giving myself like teaching myself a narrative, which is you really don't want a child right now. You know, you've got your career, you know, or people would ask me and I would lie and be like, oh, I'm going to wait two more years. You know, I'm not having a baby right now. And I just created these stories so that I could protect myself because along all this time, all this is going on. And I'm not sharing this with anybody at work. My assistant director had got to the point where she was like, I need you to sit down and tell me what's going on because I don't know if you have cancer, if you're dying. Like I'm upset right now because I need to know what's going on with you. So it's like my fertility journey was such a secret and it was like, it was a dirty, nasty, shameful secret. It wasn't secret that was like, this is not your fault. You know, it's, I took all that shame. I took everything. And I think that was a huge part of how I saw myself um, as a mother, how I saw my uterus, how I saw my body. And so during this five-year span, these are the processes that I was going through. And the most consistent thing for me to do was to keep going to work. So the more I worked, I just would, would go to acupuncture, deal with the stress. And then I was halfway eating correctly. I would just try to do what I thought was right to do, taking your temps, doing the Ava bracelet, doing OvuSense, doing the Mirena. I mean, there's so many different things like contraptions I have. It's insane. So, you know. And I think the thing is with those is that you feel like you're doing something. Yes. So when you're eating correctly, like finding your diet and really sticking with that, you, you feel like that's a chore. You're not yep. doing anything. You're just like making your life a little bit more stressful, but all the knickknacks, all the like testing, all the vitamins. I feel like I have a love and hate relationship with acupuncture. Mm. I totally believe that your whole body is connected. And I think acupuncture is amazing. I think just the fact that you have to sit your ass down for 40 minutes and do <laughs> nothing is going to help your fertility. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once again, it's, you feel like you've done something. Yes. Where you're just going back to your same routine after you leave that acupuncturist. I did yep. the same thing with reflexology. I used to see a reflexologist once a week, sometimes twice. And I was in early education too. I was working a 40 hour work week, doing IVF, living my, you know, carefree, stress free, you know, like party girl lifestyle. Yep. And like, I'm doing something. I have my vitamins. I go to my acupuncturist yep. and I'm doing this medical treatment. I'm going to get pregnant. And what's frustrating is that works for some people. 
Yes. And so in your mind, you're like, well, other people have done this. So I can, this is going to work for me where it was the same for me is it's years. And you look at it and you're like, this is years. (laughs) This is like ridiculous. This is a lot of money. This is a lot of failed treatment. And it's that hidden mindset piece that people miss so much Yes, is that you can be doing even if you have the perfect diet, the acupuncture, the vitamins, the tracking things, but you're telling yourself still that you're broken, yep. you can't do this, your yep. subconscious mind will find a way to make you right. And that Absolutely. could be really hidden things like not sticking to your diet, not taking time to relax, you know, like the, the self-sabotage that you don't really realize is self-sabotage. And I think you brought up a really good point when you saw all the other women around you strong and they can deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I really doubt they're dealing with it the way you think they're dealing with it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're probably in a similar, I'm going to keep this a secret because I am stressed out to the max, but I have to be strong. I'm a woman. And I would say even to being a black woman, that is like part of the culture, right? Like you have to be strong. And I think your heritage, your ancestors really had to do that. So I always say, damn, those feminists, you know? Uh, like eating in your, uh, like having your cake and eating it too as a woman is fucking hard it and is so, so much hard. pressure <laughs> so much pressure so much pressure it's like I felt like I couldn't even give myself room to cry like I remember like yeah. going through these the miscarriage and I remember not being like you cannot cry like mm-hmm. you're not gonna cry about this because you are gonna get pregnant and that's just what it is and you need to try harder and next time, mm-hmm. don't forget to take your vitamins. Because, right. You know, and you show up you to work. Yeah. You know, like I had my first, well, both of my failed IVFs. I went to work like the next day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was just like, I look back now. I'm like, Jesus, just take some days to, I don't even know, even if it's just to get fucking drunk, right? Like take exactly. time for yourself. Like those kids will be fine without you. Yeah. Your boss will be fine without you. Yeah. Like life will move on, but your cup is empty. Yes. And yes. you're not getting what you want because you're too empty to give yourself that love and that, yeah. you know, and like when, when it comes to growing a baby, Like you need a lot to grow Mm -hmm. a healthy child. Yes. And especially when you're dealing with infertility, if that's your genetic makeup, you need a lot extra. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so true. And, you know, the the next part of my journey, I had, you know, it really, that the last miscarriage I had when, you know, I had all these tests and I had all these things and it, it was a real thing, you know? when that happened, I took that really hard because I actually was pregnant with one of my other teachers and she was like a couple days ahead of me. And so I was like, Oh, I can't wait to tell her I'm going to be pregnant with her. Our babies are going to grow up and they're going to be so cool together. And I didn't have that, you know? And so watching her go through that, it didn't bring any resentment, but it just made me want to like nurture her more and be there for her more and be there. But it wasn't until my dad got sick. My dad got sick this summer and he got really sick and he had like two different autoimmune diseases that he had got when he was in the war. Uh, My dad's a veteran and he almost died. And I remember like, hey, I need to take some time off because I got to take care of my dad. And I never do this. And so I'm there with my dad and I look at him and I was like, I don't want him to leave this world without me having a child. 
Like I, I hated the thought of my kids not seeing my crazy dad doing crazy stuff and laughing at them and doing the things that I feel like I pictured my life doing. And so when I got back to work, I think I was there for like maybe a week or two. And I just said, this is not what I want. And I remember my boss pulling me in the office and she said, what's going on? Why, why are you giving me your resignation? What's going on? And it was the first time that I had ever said out loud, I want to be a mom. I want to be a mom. I want to have this baby. And she just started crying. And she said, that's the first time you've ever said that to me. And she's always pushed me to try to say, do you want to be a mom? Do you not want to be a mom? Do you want kids? Do you not want kids? What is your deal? Like what's going on? And that was the first time. And I just took those words and I said, I am going to create a visual wall for myself. That's going to remind me why I want to be a mom. And so I started buying a lot of art and putting it in my bedroom. Before that, I had a parent that brought me a picture of this woman with a child and a little boy. And she was like touching his nose. And it was like the most beautiful piece, like just this mother, son, this connection, this maternal. And I remember looking at her like, I know you didn't bring me this damn picture. (laughs) Because at this point, I'm lying about me wanting to be a parent and wanting to be a mom and wanting me to, you know, do these things. But those art pieces gave me like permission to want it. Like, it's okay if you go through adoption. It's okay if you have a biological child. It's okay if you have a surrogate. Because I'm having all these people like, hey, I'll carry for you if you ever need anybody. You know, I'm here for you. I'm like, no, I don't want you carrying my kid, you know, and people are being kind and nice and trying to connect with me. But this wall was so important for me because every day when I woke up, every day when I went to bed, I had to look at this thing. And I had to want that and say that to myself. I want to be a mom. I want to have a child. What do I need to do? And so I left my job and I decided to do something different, which was to get a nutritionist. And I just wanted someone to look at my nutrition and tell me, you know, let's try to hit these points. Let's try to do this. Let's try to do that. And let's put a plan together for you. And then I decided to go, still continue to go to acupuncture. And I decided to also do the IUI again. And so they were like, you know, we don't want to do the IUI again on you. We want you to go for IVF. And for some reason in my heart, I don't know why, I just, and I think maybe because I didn't trust the clinic, I didn't want to do IVF with them. I just didn't. And so just to back up real quick too, I had went and got another doctor out of LA and they had did tests on me that the other clinic did not do. So they did a vitamin B6, 12, and like a whole bunch of other tests. I had like 21 tubes. It was insane. The lady that was taking my blood, she was like, do you have cancer? I was like, no. I don't have cancer. I'm trying to find out what's going on with my fertility. And this was the first time that someone had actually drew my blood like that. And she was able to find out what was going on. And I was getting ready to go to LA back and forth to actually do treatments. But my state went to stage two and um, her state went back to stage one. So she needed someone to do outpatient. So they were like, no, everybody in my little area, like, we're not doing outpatient if you're going back and forth to California. Heck no. So I was back, stuck at back, back at square one, which is going back to this fertility clinic and talking to them about doing IUI. But I had to sit down and talk with them about, I didn't feel like I was getting the proper treatment and I was treated like a number. 
And I'm like, you guys didn't even offer me like a nutritionist. You guys didn't even offer me like anything. Like, I don't have anybody around me to advise me. You know, the nurse that I was working with wasn't really that great and it was rough. So I'm doing all three of these things and I've done IUI enough to know when those eggs are growing, like what it feels like. (laughs) And sometimes there's a little bleeding. I felt nothing. And so I was just like, you know what? Yes, I'll be doing IVF and I'm just going to have to like suck it up. And I remember going to do my ultrasound and she was like, you have no eggs on your right side and you have three eggs on your left side and they're all above 20 centimeters. And so you need to be at 22 and these are all going to be viable eggs. So you might have triplets. Do you want to still go through the process because you're now, you know, at risk for that? And I'm like, yeah, there's three kids and I'll be done and that's it. But so, you know, I decided to go through the process and I just really focused on meditation. I started going to like a yoga studio. Like I just started hitting really hard because now at this point I'm not working. So my stress level has just dropped. Like it just, I don't know how, where, what but it just was a huge part. And I remember getting ready to go for my procedure and I wore a lucky shirt. I'm not, I just, I want to let you guys know, like I started, I told myself this time when I do this IUI, it's going to be different. I'm going to have a different experience and I'm going to be super positive. It's going to be different, different than all my other IUIs. So I would wear this pineapple shirt every single time I would go. And it literally, I told myself, we're going to make a ritual. We're going to wear the same outfit every single time. Now, is this really going to get you pregnant? No, but- <laughs> I decided to change my look at this, this process this time. And so I had did the insemination and I was just like, this did not work. This just didn't work. Like, I don't feel anything. I haven't felt any eggs. Like, even though they told me I had three eggs, I don't feel anything growing. I don't feel anything. Any, I don't feel anything. And all my other ones, I felt a lot of pains and aches and things like that. And I just remember everybody, anytime anybody was around me that was like a friend or family or somebody that I really admire, I'd be like, touch my belly, you know, like touch my belly and say something positive. And I just did this with everybody. And so a lot of people were like touching my belly and, you know, they were like, why are you doing this? I was like, I'm going through IUI. And this is my first time that I was really honest about the procedures that I was going through and telling people what I was going to, what I was doing. And um, I just recently found out I'm pregnant. And Yay. so I am so excited about this journey, but I really just want to encourage people not to give up. It is so hard and it is so frustrating when you're going through this. But the one thing I can say is when you have people in your corner, whether you find them, um, such as like Monica or whoever, get someone in your corner that can help you not give up. I think that was a huge thing this time when I went through this process. Everybody from my acupuncturist, they were like, we're going to talk to you like you're pregnant this time. And we're going to treat you like you're pregnant this time. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, you're pregnant this time. You're going to, you're going to do this. And just keeping me in a really positive place. And it just, just because you do that, that doesn't mean you're going to get pregnant, right? But I just wanted to look at this part of my journey and going through this process different for the first time ever. And I just got tired of going to these, these, these things, these sessions, this stuff and feeling like you're not going to get pregnant. It's just not going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
going to be, it's going to be a hard, long journey. And it's just, it's not going to happen. And this is a seven year period. My husband and I have been married for 11 years. And so this is a seven year period that I just broke down and it's, it's hard. It's rough, you know? Yeah. And I think the turning point is that you found out what was your issues. I yeah. mean, I, I wouldn't say that you totally understand why you were having unexplained infertility, exactly. but the key things here is you found out your uh, vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Yeah. You really focused on what nutrition you needed and yeah. you cut out the stress. Yeah. And on top of that, your mindset changed. You started believing in yourself and your yeah. body, even though you had no proof. There's no physical proof, (laughs) but those, those combination, it's amazing what it can do for you. And that's what people need to start off when they first discover they're having issues with infertility. Mm -hmm. You just need to know those pieces. Now, I wouldn't say you're a picture of amazing health and you've gotten rid of all your stress and you're eating the best diet and all that stuff. But what I always say to people is it's proven you don't have to be healthy to get pregnant. We see a crackhead on the street do it all the time. Thank you. (laughs) But when you're dealing with infertility, you need to find your disconnects and start working to connect those back together. And whether you need medical assistance or not, or even choose to use medical assistance, because sometimes this journey is insanely long. Yeah. You know, and um, sometimes it's just like, I don't want to go another six months to 12 months of trying naturally. And I think that's kind of like the downside for us too, is because we're trying all these other bullshit stuff yeah, for a lot of us isn't going to help. And then we were so we feel time poor. And we're yeah. like, well, we need to use IUI, we need to use IVF, because the fact of the matter, it does, it can get you there quicker. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a huge thing that you brought up, which is, you know, a lot of this stuff can get you there quicker. But you know, I, I even told my husband, like, I'm still on this, this health journey, like really oh, understanding yes. my health and really understanding my nutrition, because it's a huge thing. Like I didn't realize how important that is. You know, I didn't realize how stress can just tear your body completely apart. You know, it's it's a lot when you are, when you're trying to digest all of this information and sometimes it's overwhelming. And when you have like podcasts like these and, you know, stories and different things that you guys, you can really rely on and be able to say, okay, I can do this. I can, I can push forward. I can try this or try that, or give you some kind of advice to go somewhere. Um, I heard somebody say something really interesting, which is when you live somewhere and you don't have the resources, don't let that be the reason why you can't get, take control of your fertility and take control of your health. You know, don't be afraid that if you have to, you know, fly out to LA or drive out to New York or go to Hawaii, wherever to get the help that you need or go on a thousand Zoom calls with your doctor. Don't be afraid to take control of that. And if it doesn't work, move on. You know, don't feel like you can't say, 
I've tried this over a year or whatever time frame, and it's just not working for me. And I want to try something else and don't be afraid of it. And don't let other people discourage you because some people would discourage me when I would say, you know what, I'm eating like sweet potatoes all this week for lunch. And I'm going to, you know, juice this morning and do this and do that, you know, doing all these different things. And people would say, why would you do all that? That's, that has nothing to do with anything. It's absolutely ridiculous how much shame people put on other people who want to improve their health. And I think it all comes down to change and people are, that's the thing that they're scared of the most is change. And they want you to be part of their pack. And when you start breaking away from their pack, they're, they get defensive. They're like, whoa, 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 what's wrong with me? Oh, you think you're better than me now? And like, I dealt with that massively because I had to go on the autoimmune paleo diet. And if you think people think you're weird, not eating gluten, wait till you can't eat fucking tomatoes or paprika. (laughs) I mean, I've been at this for years and people still who know me well are like, really? You're still doing that? And I'm like, yeah, really? (laughs) I have the proof that it it fixed my fertility because of my natural pregnancy. And when I do eat things that I know aren't good for my body, my body tells me. (laughs) It's crazy. And it's uh, like you say, it's so important for you to stand up for yourself in every aspect, in the doctor's office, at home, in your kitchen, at work, it is all about you filling up your cup and then you're able to, you know, service other people and service your baby. Yeah. It's, it's so true. This thing is like a battle, you know, you're like in a boxing ring and you're getting punched with every left, right hook. And you got to get in that corner and have those, that little group of people that are like, okay, now you got to get in here. I'm put this water in your mouth. I'll wipe you down. You're going to go back out there. You're going to punch them. You're going to do this. You know, you got to have that team of people that you can help get guidance. And I think for me, there, one of the things I feel like the reason why it took me so long is because I played a guessing game. I, like I said, I didn't know anyone who dealt with infertility. Um, I didn't know anybody who said, you know what, it's okay for you to have to get assistance to get pregnant. Um, You know, it's okay for you to have these nervous breakdowns at times, because this is a lot. This is a lot of pressure on you and you're putting unnecessary pressure on yourself. I needed compassion for myself, you know, and Mm -hmm. I just felt like, you know, even though I had my sister, my family around me, there were times where I didn't want to share things because, you know, my sister had five kids and one of my other sisters, she had a child. My brother had a child and, you know, it was just me. And then my niece had a child. So I'm like, everybody's have kids. <laughs> everybody's have kids up here except me, you know? And I think too, when you go on a really long journey, sometimes you're just sick of your own voice. Yeah. Talking about, you know, whatever you're doing. I know that there was a stage in my where I just stopped talking. My diet wasn't working. This wasn't working. That wasn't working because we we um, determine whether or not what we're doing, if it's working not by a positive pregnancy test. And the fact of the matter is when you are dealing with the nutrition, the lifestyle, um, all that, it it takes time. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, and that's the part that's so hard is because, you know, once a month, it is so crucial. And, you know, I didn't go into all this, but like, you know, even when we, my husband and I, we started, you know, having intercourse and like, I'm like, we have to do it every day this time because we are going to put so much (laughs) sperm 
in my uterus. Like it's gonna be like a rave. I wanted to be like a techno crazy rave. And I remember him in an office because it just had the infertility journey had just overtaken me. Like I literally lost yeah. my mind at this point. Right. And I remember him sitting at his off in his office, and I'm like, "Hey, we gotta do it. Like my temp is right. Like we gotta do it." And he was like, "We did it like three times already." Like I can't. I'm not a machine. I can't do this. <laughs> and so we're still like, at this point, we're and like people... doing it in the day before I go to work and right. night before we go to bed. It's like it gets excessive, and then you know it becomes sex becomes a science experiment. You know what I mean? It it yeah. takes so much out of you, and you know I just I look at my this journey, and I just I I started doing um, a podcast called Sending Strength and Love and um, a series and I wanted women to share their experiences because so many times I felt alone and like some people can give you the I call it the cookie cutter sweet tea kind of uh, fertility podcast and like just sometimes you need somebody to say I'm tired as hell like I don't want to do this crap no more I don't want to feel this I don't want to do I mean you need to hear that realness and I think that's just something that people are looking for and I mean and they just need someone in the corner to help lead and guide them so that they can make it through this because it's just a hard journey and you need people in your corner period definitely I will put the link in the show notes for our listeners to find that series um because I think it will be amazing and I also want people to connect with you if they work in education because that is what you're doing right now and I think there's a lot of us you know that deal with infertility and still have to go take care of children (laughs) which is kind of a little bit of a mind fuck so if you are that person definitely connect with Stephanie she's got a lot of amazing resources tell us where we can find you you can go to www.tlptraining.com. Um, and I'm also on Facebook at TLP support and on Instagram at TLP training. So um, you can check me out there and connect with me. And I, I would love to help out in any way I can. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, because I know it's a big deal for you and just giving another amazing voice to the infertility community with hope and love and strength. Thank you, Monica, for everything that you're doing. And I thank you for having me on this podcast and you're just a gem and I just, I appreciate you. And I want to say thank you and keep doing your thing, girl. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I am receiving that love. That was one of my big things is like, no, I'm not, I'm not special. I'm not, I'm just normal. So I'm opening up to the universe to receive that. So thank you very much. (laughs) You have a beautiful day and our listeners have a beautiful weekend. And until next Friday, we'll see you then. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.